Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. Today we have another couples-themed episode based on my book, The Lasting Connection. Today is going to be about communication, probably the, the most common thing I hear couples struggling with when they come to my couples clinic. This topic is so important that we actually really need to master these skills, not just in our couples relationships, but in all our interpersonal relationships. How we talk to each other and how we listen to each other really matters. So I'm going to go through some examples from the book. And if you want to dive deeper, you can order the book, The Lasting Connection on Amazon now, or have a look on my website, thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash The Lasting Connection. Communication is so important that I actually recover really it as a whole module on its own in my upcoming course, The Compassionate Couple. It's not just what we say to each other, but it's also about how we say that. So I'm going to talk about some cues around nonverbal communication as well. So it's not just about the messages that you use verbally, but it's also the messages you send out nonverbally. So let's get stuck into this episode. Why is it important? to have good communication in a long-lasting relationship? Well, it's because couples who stop talking to each other or can no longer have a conversation without ending up in argument are more likely to feel dissatisfied with their relationship. The knock-on effect of that is that decision-making and problem-solving will suffer. So if you can't talk about things, you can't make decisions. And the partners might also feel like they no longer know each other. If you don't talk about stuff, you don't keep getting to know each other, if you don't tell each other things, you're more likely to drift apart. So you need your partner to tell you what's going on in their life, to actually verbally tell you. And yet, even if they do tell you, we often get it wrong. We often misunderstand each other. The majority of communication is non-verbal, so it's really important to not just listen to what your partner says, but also how they say it. Learning how to bring more mindful, compassionate self into these conversations with your partner will help improve your communication patterns. So do remind yourselves of these other episodes where we talked about how you can step into your compassionate self and how you can use mindfulness to be more aware of what's happening right in front of you, right here, right now. You're going to really need it in your communication because if you drift off somewhere else, if you go somewhere else in your mind, you're going to miss what your partner is saying. I want to start by covering something really important, namely your startups. How you start your conversations is a huge predictor for how they will carry on. And this is based on the research by John Gottman, who has looked at couples in his love lab over decades, where he's been observing couples and how they start entering a conversation will actually have such an outcome that someone who raises a complaint is getting a very different outcome to someone who raises a criticism. So let me tell you the difference, right? If you start a conversation in a harsh way, meaning that you start in a way that means that your partner perceives it as an attack, 
and struggles to take on board what you have to say, right? Remember the the three circles model of threat, drive, and soothing. If you start the conversation in a harsh way, they're more likely to step into the threat system and then retaliate with defensive strategies or withdraw away from you. And the very thing you wanted to discuss that was important to you gets lost along the way. And that often happens because the partner who wants to complain about something or wants to raise a concern, something that's happened that they're not happy with, they often do so from their own threat system. So they're more likely to come across as hostile and attacking rather than calm and composed. They thus deliver criticism rather than a complaint. Now this might sound like semantics, but it really isn't. Because if this has happened to you, that you've kind of had this harsh startup, you've had a go at your partner, even though you had something that you really wanted to communicate and it just didn't come across that way, that's not your fault. This is just what happens when our threat system is activated. It's how it's designed to keep you safe, to protect you. But you may not get the outcome you want in your relationship. So by practicing the skills of mindful compassion, you can gently hold yourself accountable for the way you start a conversation when you want to address an issue. And the partner who's on the receiving end of a criticism will most likely get defensive, like I said, having quickly moved into their own threat system. Has your partner ever expressed themselves in a way which made you feel like you were being instantly attacked? Now both of you are flooded with stress hormones, blocking your soothing systems, Uh, meaning any feelings of being calm and connected and your drive system, meaning any, you know, your ability to be able to problem solve. So now any resolution is moving further and further away. So that is the end result. Both of you miss an opportunity to express empathy and compassion for each other and to jointly resolve the conflict. That part of your brain is just switched off. So I want to give you a little example. These are scattered throughout the book and I call these sections from the sofa. They're sort of an amalgamation of couples I've worked with over the years. So obviously I've changed the details, but some of these things have actually happened, right? So I've changed the details so that no couple would be able to recognize themselves or feel that other people would be able to identify them. So I've called this couple Lucy and Rishi. So Lucy wanted to design Rishi with a nice meal as a way to reconnect with him because they've been arguing a lot and felt that they've been drifting a bit bit in their marriage. After an hour of having finished her dinner, dinner, waiting for him to come home, he still wasn't home and wasn't answering his phone, wasn't answering uh, the text messages she'd sent him. So this sparked a range of threat emotions in Lucy. She was angry that the meal was ruined and getting cold, sad because their date didn't happen, and anxious as though she really worried about what actually happened to Rishi. This was out of character for him to not be home and not to be communicating with her about where he was. And Rishi, on the other hand, which Lucy didn't know about, had had a really difficult day at work. He'd been criticised by manager for a mistake that he made and he was feeling really upset. He was anxious about the ramifications of this mistake and angry about how unfairly treated he had been. He decided to go for a drink with a colleague to let off some steam and completely forgot to check his phone. By now, both partners are upset and exhausted, with several threat emotions present. And as soon as Risha got in through the door, he saw that Lucy was angry. She launched into him for not letting her know he would be late home and for smelling of alcohol. And Rishi then immediately retaliated, saying he couldn't deal with this right now and told Lucy she needed to get off his case. He stormed off into the bedroom and slammed the door. So the really difficult thing here is that neither partner got seen in their pain. 
Both partners were upset and that got missed. Even worse, the actually really good underlying intentions that Lucy had had of trying to reconnect with Rishi, that went to waste. Rishi missed out on a lovely meal with Lucy and she missed the opportunity to support him after the criticism he received. Connecting by being a really compassionate partner. Each could only see one of the threat emotions. They could only see the anger. They couldn't see the softer, more vulnerable feelings underneath of being sad or anxious or worried. This often happens when we don't communicate effectively. We miss out the softer things that are easier to connect to. And we only see the harsher things on the surface that tends to repel us and make us less likely to engage. In the book, I have some guidelines here for how you can share thoughts and feelings effectively, how you can be a better listener and a better speaker. So do dive into the book, The Lasting Connection, to see a list of bullet points that you can try to consider. Which ones of these might you struggle with yourself? And make sure that you don't make this a blame and shame game where you pinpoint things your partner is struggling to do. Take accountability for the things you struggle to do and see what you can try to improve. I cover this more in the course as well, The Compassionate Couple, which you can look up on my website, thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash The Compassionate Couple. So essentially, I think of communication as a ball game. The way you throw your ball to your partner really matters. If you throw it really hard, having a harsh aim at them, it's going to be hard for them to catch it and they're going to drop the ball. So the way you throw it impacts on how well they can receive it. So think about that before you release the ball. And if you throw it really, really hard on purpose, they will either duck to avoid getting hit And that means that they might be leaving the room or walking away from you. And that means they don't take on board what you've said. Or they will be hit and be hurt. And neither of those things are helpful for you. Because the point you were trying to make with this ball is getting missed. Nothing good comes out of that. As they either get angry and defensive, retaliating with an equally hard throwback. Or they give up trying to play, feeling too sad or injured to go on. Game over. If you throw the ball gently, a throw that you think your partner can catch because you know them well by now, they can return the ball with a follow-up question or validating comment and keep the connection going. And they also need to try their best to catch and return the ball that you're sending their way, to not miss an opportunity to play and connect. And how fun is it to play catch with someone who never returns the ball, regardless of how nicely you throw it? So it's not all on you. This is a ball game. It's a back and forth. And both of you need to make an effort. Now the tricky bit is that some partners have had lots of practice with this. Playing that communication game. Perhaps from previous relationships before they met you. Or from an upbringing where the parents actually modelled good communication. Others haven't. So we need to be patient as they build up these skills. If you approach your communication this way, tolerating some dropped balls along the way, you can develop a healthy communication pattern which is about playing on the same team rather than trying to beat each other. So do have a look at the book to read some more examples, some more exercises of how you can use mindful compassion to try to have a better communication ball game. And do have a look at my course where we cover this in great detail. It's called The Compassionate Couple and it's available very, very soon from April. And as always, do please take care of yourself.
thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically, showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas, and you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.